0: We've all got things in our life that we would call our weaknesses or thorns in the flesh or things like that. Some of these things we deal with are are psychological, they're mental, they're spiritual, they're emotional. For some of us, they're physical things. Um, It could be whatever, but we all have these things that we struggle with. Uh, And my struggles are different than yours and yours are different than mine, but regardless what the struggle is God's grace is sufficient for us whether that weakness or that thorn in the flesh is emotional relational whatever that same grace still helps us with whatever thorn of flesh we're dealing with whatever weakness we're dealing with Um, God gives us his grace the moment we're saved and he gives us his grace and he wants to refine it he wants to make it better or for those of you from from uh from this area he wants to make it more better uh he he wants us to develop that grace and the way he does that he puts us through a refining fire he, he puts us through the stuff uh he puts us through a time of weakness or a thorn in the flesh whatever you want to call it and and grace is with us and what we, this is the third week of this particular series what we found out is that grace is with us even when we have questions grace is with us when we have doubt uh in fact one of the most powerful things that first series that first sermon in this series was this that there's a difference between what you know about god uh, there's a difference between what you know about god and then doubting what you know about god we believe god will always be there with us and for us but we don't always act like that we know that he is for us and not against us but we don't always act like that and there's the difference um second week we talked about joseph and how uh God's grace shows up in our life with symptoms. If, if God's grace is in our life, we're going to be more forgiving. We're going to invite people into the family, into, our, into, to, into partaking of the Jesus that we love so much. And uh, he sends us out. Today we're going to wind up talking about uh, the Apostle Paul, that guy. Uh, because I, I think that those fires are important. A few years ago, uh, I went through my own fire. And it burnt out a lot of, a great deal of pride, and it burnt out a lot of the ego that was in my heart. And I can honestly tell you, going through that fire, um, it was horrible. But on the other side of it, I found out that I'm a lot less judgmental. I'm a whole lot quicker to show grace. Uh, And that's what God did with me going through what I went through. And it wasn't his fault. Uh, but he gave me the lesson, which, which thank God, I give him complete credit for. And I think the only way I made that made it through that fire was his grace and your grace. Thank you, by the way. Uh, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And it's because of that. He wrote not only to churches like Ephesus and Colossae and Philippi and Corinth but he also wrote to people like Timothy and Titus. We have a a unique look in Paul's life like we have no other uh, person in Scripture. It's very, very unique. Uh, But Paul wasn't always the Apostle Paul. Paul was a freak. Uh, What he would do is, uh, before he came to Christ in his BC days, okay, before Christ, he was sort of like this fire-breathing dragon, just hell-bent to destroy the church. Uh, He would sentence Christians to death. He would shut down churches take dads out of the homes because they love Jesus that was Paul and if Paul if Paul would have been successful I don't know if we'd be sitting in a church today because he was really trying to stop the spread of Christianity he was trying to kill it in its crib Uh, but something happened there was this unique encounter Uh, he had a personal encounter with Jesus that radically transformed him that literally changed everything about his life Uh, Paul's journey to me really highlights how amazing God's grace is. And his writings give us a unique look into who he was, his strength and his weaknesses, his high tops and his low tops, really kind of give us the entire background of what's going on inside this guy. Uh, Paul's journey gives us a unique look at his life and, you know, we, we've all lived out of god's will from time to time and you look at paul's bc days that was definitely out of the will of god but dang don't we all have times in our life when we were living outside the will of god even today uh, i'm not always living in the will of god and by the way anytime we don't do the will of god there's one word for it do y'all know what it is what is it when we don't live out the will, will of god when we go against his will it's called sin which always leads to brokenness i want you to kind of compare your life and i know we're not supposed to compare it with each other but let's just kind of for a second look at paul i would say that nobody in this room is responsible for the death of somebody because of what they believed in i would probably say that none of you come to church today hoping to close the doors so when we look at our life compared to paul's you know we, we we didn't do all the stuff he did but yet he's this incredible guy god used him in a powerful way what, how does that happen? How does God use a, a guy that went through all that stuff and and still goes on to to do great things for the kingdom of God? Second Corinthians is where we want to pick up the story about Paul today when he talks about a, a thorn in the flesh. This is if you have your Bibles or if you want to turn your Bibles on. It's in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter uh, chapter twelve, I believe, chapter twelve, verse one through ten. And the Word of God says, "Nope, you." I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Now, I think that the person that Paul's probably talking about is himself. And I think there's Easter eggs he plants into this text that lets us know that it's him. I, I think there's, there's, uh, there's Easter eggs in there. Uh, Uh, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Uh, Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I really don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, because I I think Paul's talking about himself. I think he's speaking in third person. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows. He was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is is legally permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I won't boast about myself, but accept my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I say, by do or say, or because of these surpassing great revelations. Well, who got the revelation? Paul or that third person you're talking about? Again, this is the Easter egg, kind of letting us know what he's talking about, in my opinion. Three, uh, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Y'all say thorn in the flesh. And then he goes on to say that, you know, the... Satan's angels tried to bring him down and things like that. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Uh, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. By the way, I don't know if three means three or it could just mean a number of, I didn't stop. You know, it was just completion. I just kept going and begging and begging and begging. Uh, Three times I pleaded or I begged with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, son, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I, Paul, will boast all the more gladly about my weakness So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness. I rejoice in insults. I'm okay with hardships. I'm going to be okay with persecutions. I'm going to make it through the difficulties. For when I am weak, then God's strong. Now no one really knows exactly what this thorn in the flesh was with Paul. We don't know. People say it was his eyes or maybe it was some other type of infirmity. To me that's not really important. Uh, I know that you all have thorn in the flesh. Uh, That thorn in the flesh was that thing that that he kept taking to God. He said, God, please take this away from me. Now, we don't know what he was talking about, but how many times have you went to God and said, God, let, let this thing in my life go. Would you let this thing in my life get out of here so I don't have to mess with it anymore? God, would you take care of that problem I have with my daughter? God, would you take care of the problem I have with my son or my husband? God, would you take care of the problem I have with my coworker at work that I just can't stand? God, would you do something, please? We've all had those times where we go to God begging him to move in an incredible way. Now, identifying the problem, Paul's problem, is not the big deal. Because I won't really want to, I want to. to, I want to, zone in on i want to i want to magnify his posture not the problem because i think the posture that paul took in this really exemplifies what it means to have a proper response to god's grace in our life in times of weakness i want to look at those three responses and they're pretty easy Uh, the first one is this when we're dealing with those uh, difficult times in our life it should it should it should cause us to pray it should get us in that mode of praying did you notice that paul says right before the climactic passage a moment in that passage in verse he says three times I begged God to take it away three times I prayed for God to do something and that thorn in Paul uh, in Paul's life it drove into his prayer closet when those satanic angels or those satanic messengers came and and they were uh, affecting his life with this thorn in the flesh the devil wanted to bring him down but what it did is when it brought Paul down it took him to his knees it took him to his prayer closet. He got on his knees before God. Satan's angels did the very best they could do to bring Paul down. But what they did not found out is that when Paul was down, he was already down anyway. He's going to go ahead and pray. Now, it's hard to walk around like you've got it going on when you haven't been on your knees before a holy God. Uh, because when you're on your knees before a holy God, he tells us about him and he tells us about us. Church, when was the last time you begged God for something or pleaded with God for something? You asked for a healing or you asked for deliverance. Or you ask for a sound mind, or you ask for, for a good relationship with your wife, or uh, God give me another job, a, a job that I can that I can go to and not be miserable. If the only t- and, and, and we, we, we say that, and the thing is, if that's the only time, if the only time you pray is when you're in trouble, then dude, you're in trouble. Okay, uh, prayer is is your first response. And that's exactly what we see Paul doing in response to that thorn in the flesh. He goes to him in prayer. Uh, Paul's cry out to God reminds me of a passage in the book of Micah chapter 7, verse 7. It says, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for my Savior. My God will hear me. Church, God's going to hear you. He's got his eyes on you. His ears are open. He's listening for us to pray. And I prom- here's, the, here's the incredible thing. I promise you that everybody in this room, you're living with an answered prayer in your life right now every one of you in this room have got an answered prayer that you live with he's answered that prayer he came through for you church that same god who answered that prayer he's the same god that still answers the prayers today so those weak times god's grace pushes us in to prayer there's a frequently misquoted misunderstood verse in the new testament because uh people would think you know Paul's, you know he's paul he's he's a master chief of this world you know of the world we're talking about now he's the guy who had it going on and i'm sure he was praying right and saying in jesus name and all that good stuff but god didn't give him what he asked for that kind of flies into the face of what jesus says in john fourteen thirteen: i will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father i'm sure that paul asked jesus in his name take this thorn of the flesh away and i'm sure we all done the same thing lord would you let my marriage be better in the name of jesus would you let the relationship that i have with my co-workers uh, be better in the name of jesus and we say that but but lots of times just like paul it's crickets nothing changes but what about this verse what a you know what about that verse mike what uh, is that not true is that not accurate that's where the slight misunderstanding of this verse to me comes into play uh instead i believe that jesus is helping us see that that asking something to be done in his name what we're saying is god we want your will done in our life we want your plan and your purpose to be done in our life you know you know i'm amazed that god's not giving me the lottery numbers you know i ask all the time you know god let me win this lottery in the name of jesus i don't think that works unless god's will is for me to win the lottery don't play so it'd be kind of hard to do be cool though Uh, by the way if any of y'all win make sure you tithe okay uh (laughs) devil's had that money long enough right amen You know, we, we ask prayers long enough and we ask God long enough for things and oftentimes wonder if the reason why he's not removing the thorn in the flesh or that weak point, maybe that's not his will for our life. And Ms. Suzanne, if I am asking God to go against his will or his purpose or his plan or his best for my life, if I'm asking God to go against His will in order for my desire to be met or what I want to happen, happen. Do you understand that I'm asking God to go against His own will? Now, when I go against God's will, it's called, I'm literally asking God to sin. I'm saying, God, go against your will, go against your plan. Now, the disconnect for us is this we want our design at the cost i'm sorry we want our desire at the cost of god's design we would rather have what we desire than to live the life that god designed us to have prayer will tell us and prayer will show us that when god speaks to us he's speaking the best for us the best to us and his will is the best perfect thing in our life the older i get the more i believe this prayer is not about me getting god to hear me prayer is about me getting to hear god and he'll just say dude the reason why i haven't done that is because if i would have done that you would have lost your marriage or dude the reason i did that is because i wanted you to let go of pride and realize that you know you're you're messed up and so when God doesn't answer our prayer because we went to him three times and pleaded, take it away, take it away, take it away, understand that if that prayer we're asking God for goes against his will, how dare we ask God to sin? And so what I've kind of begin to do is I say, God, I'd never ask you to do anything that goes against your will. I would never ask you to give me less than, your, that, than what's best for me. I would never ask you to do anything that takes away from your glory. I would never do that, Lord but my heart's desire. Prayer request. Um, in our stories here today, God uses all that funky stuff, all the pain, all the thorns in the flesh, all those weak times, whether it's spiritual, emotional. Uh, he deals with that in ways we don't understand. Look in Isaiah 55. The Bible says, for, God says, dude, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My Uh, Neither are my ways your thoughts, uh, my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Church, what God is telling us is, dude, I got this on lock. I've got this figured out. I see the ending as well as I see the beginning all at the same time. Just trust me. And here we are saying, I don't know, God, are you sure? Are you absolutely positive? You see, God had a purpose behind Paul's pain. I don't think Paul got it at the time, but his grace, God's grace, is sufficient to sustain Paul during his pain. Man, I got good news for you. His strength is, good, is strong enough to sustain you and I through our thorns in the flesh, through our weaknesses, through our tough times. We know this, and then in the fire, you may, you may need to remind yourself of the fact that, that God, God's God and He's got it all figured out. You may need to ref, You may need to remind yourself that that God doesn't need our help. Maybe say, God, I'm going to trust you. If you're not going to change things, then I'm just going to, I'm going to trust that you're not going to change either. I'm going to trust you're going to be faithful and be by me. And Lord, I may not like what I'm going through, but I'm not going to be mad at you while I wait. And I think that's the real danger for lots of us Christians. We get mad at God while we're waiting for him to answer a prayer that we shouldn't have prayed to begin with. Which makes Paul make, uh, which means Paul had to learn the same thing we have to learn today. Number one, takes us to prayer. But number two, it, grace makes us look in the mirror and sees our weakness. Grace makes us look in the mirror and see where our flaws are and where our thorns of the flesh may be. To allow God's grace to truly sustain us means that we have to identify the weaknesses in our own life, where we fall short, where we mess up, uh, or as Paul says. You know, I've got these things in my life. I'm not going to lie about them. They're there. I'm just going to embrace them. It isn't a shameful thing, church, to recognize your weaknesses. It's not a shameful thing to recognize the areas in your life that you're not on top of or I'm on top of. It's not a shameful thing to say, okay, I need work in this area. It's a strength to know where your deficiencies are. It's a strength to know where those trouble spots are in your life. Spiritually speaking, our weak areas are what keep us humble because it's those weak areas that realize I don't have it all going on. I don't have it all together. My life isn't perfect. I'm not walking the best Christian life as I should. I'm still a hypocrite. I'm still broken. I still have habits and hurts and hang ups. When we're real about what grace shows us, we realize that we still, we're still still broken people. We're saved but we're not Not quite perfect yet. we got to understand our weaknesses so we can grow spiritually. And here's the good news. God's power is strong enough not only to meet us in our weaknesses, but his grace is strong enough to meet us in spite of our weaknesses. We learned that in week one. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. God comes to Moses. He's out there taking care of some sheep. Burning bush. Voice comes out of the burning bush. He says, dude, I want you to go back to Egypt. Get my kids out of there. Bring them forward. Man, immediately... Moses begins to think, uh, this is why I can't, God. It's not a good time. Moses said to the Lord, "Oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And I'm assuming that Moses was right on that. The dude could not speak very well. Maybe he had a, a stutter. Maybe he had a lisp. I don't know. Maybe he didn't put words together well. I, maybe he didn't think well on his feet. I don't know. But, but what Moses was saying is, hey, I have this weak spot in my life, God. Are you sure you want me to do this? I have this thorn in the flesh that makes me, makes me stammer my words, are you sure you want to use me? He was confessing his weakness to God. He was confessing his inadequacy. And yet seemingly, because he was willing to acknowledge that weakness, God said, yeah, I know that about you already. I'm still going to use you. You know the weakness is there. I know the weakness is there. I'm still going to send you. You ever heard of Bill W.'s 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous? First step of those 12 is admitting that you have a problem. Admitting that you are powerless over over this issue. Uh, if you've ever worked with anybody in recovery, or maybe you're in recovery yourself, you know that it's it's not a, a straight road. Uh, it's a tough journey. It is a it's a tough it's a tough trip. There's intentional steps that you take. There is clear goals that you make. You allow yourself some space for some for some setbacks. The journey starts not on step seven or step 12 the journey starts with step one admitting you've got a problem and before and until you admit that you're weak or until you admit you're a problem or until you admit you're in bondage you can't work on it until you admit and and own the fact that man I, i've got this in my life you can't you can't ex- you can't work on it with god god's grace makes us look in the mirror and see ourselves see our problems And God's graceful mirror will say and reveal, I've got a problem with lust, or maybe I've got a problem with gambling, or I've got a problem with cussing, or I've got a problem being judgmental, or I've got a problem worrying too much, or drinking too much, or eating too much, I I don't have a healthy relationship with food, or or maybe I'm whatever. Denial will stop us from breaking through spiritually and breaking free emotionally. We have to admit that we are weak. And God's grace reminds us that we still need Him even after we're saved because we still have all these habits, hurts, and hang-ups. We still need His grace to get through them Uh, because our lives, we're not above getting things wrong. We're not above self-deception. We're all messed up. And when we admit that weakness, now we can go to work. God's grace sustains us even in our weakness. So we find out where our true strength comes from, which is the third response. We find true strength the climax to me for second corinthians passage that we looked at today is when paul cites the words of jesus uh when speaking about god's power paul says that god told him my grace is all you need my grace is sufficient for you god was saying my power works best in your weakness man what an incredible promise god is telling us that he shows up shows off at his best when i'm at my worst When I can't carry the rope, when I can't do the journey, when I don't have the strength, when I don't have whatever it takes, God says, hey, in your weakness, you count on me. In your weakness, you rely upon my strength. Man, what an unbelievable promise. And if we have God's grace, we really have all we need. If we're living in the grace of God, we have all we need. Which reminds me, You've been saved by grace through faith. Y'all, we can't get saved without faith. We can't progress in our life as a Christian without faith. We need Him every hour, man. We're totally weak. But we know where the strength comes from. It comes from Him. The greatest picture of the grace of God is seen in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. When He went down that Via, uh, via Dolorosa, when He walked down a possible path to the cross where He was beaten, humiliated, embarrassed, stripped naked, abandoned, and eventually killed. By the way, all at the hands of the people that He came to save. I don't know about you, but all that mess that Jesus went through and all that hardship Jesus went through, if those people would have thumbed their nose at me... After all I was doing going through and what I was doing for them, I know about you. I may have changed my mind. So what was his inner what was his inner power? What was his inner strength? What gave him the strength to go through all that? Grace. It was grace that Jesus gave himself for the redemption of mankind. It was grace that sustained him in the journey when it became so difficult and often impossible. Grace is what gave him his beast mode. It was what gave him his boost. It's what gave him his strength. Church, the reason why he was able to do all that is because he loves you and me because of his grace. You are saved by grace through faith. Y'all, because Paul also experienced God's strength amid his amidst his own weakness we can boast about our own weakness and our own shortcomings because we know that our strength comes from the lord you see church our strength is failing at 50 i'll be 52 next month there are things i did at 25 i can't do at 52 and if i try to do them at 52 i get hurt you ever woke up and you hurt yourself sometime in the night while you were asleep wake up with a backache and I didn't do anything there are certain things that I don't do now that I am I'm older than and I'm more mature there are things that I can't do now as as an older person our strength is failing in fact I think it's important that we realize how old we are and what we can and cannot do Thank you, Larry. I knew you'd hit. I knew I'd hit home with you on that. I knew I'd hit home with you on that. <laughs> I think it's spiritually dangerous when people feel like people can do everything in their life in their own strength, because our faint, our strength is failing. What's that sound like, preach? How do? How would I know if I'm? dealing with strength and weakness in the right way this is what it sounds like i don't need to go to church to grow my faith i don't need to be with other believers well if you don't you'll be the first that's what it sounds like it also sounds like uh brother mike i i don't need to i don't i don't need to pray god knows my heart no that's a cop-out you need to pray It sounds like, oh, Brother Mike, I don't need to give to the church. There's already enough people who give. I don't need to go to Connect Group, Brother Mike. I know everything I need to know. Brother Mike, I don't need to go to fellowships. I know those people. Brother Mike, I don't need to get involved in ministry. I do enough. I'm usually the person who says that. This is what enough means. I come to church. hear the amen powerful brother mike i don't need to be involved and pray and go that's what it sounds like when you think you can do things in your own strength that's exactly what it sounds like because what you're saying is i'll do what i want to do i'll do what i will do in my own strength and what god is calling us for he says hey i'm not asking you to do what you can do on your own i'm asking you to do what i can do with you with God's help anything is possible. In fact, in John 15:5 Jesus says, "Apart from me you can do nothing. nothing." This kind of mindset, this kind of mindset helps us persevere through the pain of our lives. Paul takes it a step further and he says that he's even decided to take pleasure in the insults and the hardships and the persecution and the trouble he suffers for the sake of Christ's name. He says, you know what, if this way it's going to be, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Let the chips fall where they will. They can beat me, slap me, put me in jail, kill me if they want to. But I'm going to keep trusting you. And church, are we willing to make that same decision as well? No matter what's going on in our life, we choose to trust him maybe the thorn or the weakness we face doesn't look like paul's for us maybe our thorn looks like getting upset with people who simply don't agree with us church we can show the same grace that's been lavished upon us by people that we don't agree with just because somebody doesn't believe the way we do or vote the way we do or have the same view on different topics Church, at the end of the day, we're called to be Jesus and we're, show, we're called to show grace. And i tell you what, if you're going to be, if you're going to uh, if you're going to disagree with somebody, you can disagree without being disagreeable, and that takes grace. Because your flesh wants to act out. My flesh wants to act out. I want to get sideways with somebody. And that's why God says, my strength, Mike. Take my grace when you're you're struggling with that. Church, grace gives us the strength to know that there are certain things we don't post on social media. Grace gives us the strength to know that there's websites we don't visit. Grace gives us the strength to realize that we don't give everybody access to our life. Grace also gives us the strength that there are some things in our life that are just totally non-negotiable. We're not going to negotiate on these issues. This is what it is. Grace gives us the strength to know what those non-negotiables are. Preach, I'm curious. What are some of your non-negotiables? I don't ever send a text to a woman that I would not want my wife to read. There's never been a time I reach for my phone because I get a text because I didn't want Pam to see it. In fact, here's your marker. Bing! Sugar Bridges, would you take a look at my phone to see who that text is from? Sugar Britches is Miss Pam, my first wife right there. <laughs> Why would I do that? It's the same reason I believe that every man or woman should. If we're sending things to people on our phone or on our device or on our computer that we know is wrong and your wife or your husband shouldn't read them you shouldn't send them another non-negotiable that grace gives us the strength to do sunday it's lord's day this is the day of worship this is the day to give to the lord that's a non-negotiable maybe your day is saturday i ain't gonna argue about that tell you another one jesus is the way the truth the life no man goes to the father but by him jesus is salvation Another non-negotiable. This is my Father's world. I believe that this whole world is God's from the Antarctic to the, Ar- to the Arctic. I believe this whole thing belongs to God. That's my worldview. It's not everybody's worldview, but that's my worldview. It's God's world. And because it's God's world, I look at God's world through God's Word. That's a non-negotiable. And when we take that mindset into everything else, politics, uh, cultural issues, gender studies, gender whatever, when we take the look that this is God's world and we interpret it through God's word, I don't have to make up my mind a whole lot about social issues because God tells me this is the way it is. And this is where it's going to take us getting along with people who disagree with us. We can, be, we can disagree without being disagreeable. Walk hand in hand without seeing eye to eye. Well, Brother Mike, I, I, I don't like to do that. I like to get up and sideways with people. I like to blast them on Facebook. That's why I'm telling y'all, it takes the strength of grace to do this stuff because we can't do it on our own. And because we understand this, when we're weak, we realize, God, I can't do this in my weakness. I need your strength. Y'all, maybe the comment made by Jesus to Paul in this very thing you need to recite constantly this week to yourself. Your grace is all I need. Your grace, God, is all I need to get through this week. Your grace is all I need to make this marriage work. Your grace is all I need to make this work with my kids. Your grace is all I need to get out of this job that I'm in and make it through home with all my senses together. Church, isn't it true that so many of us here today are striving and striving for more and more things. We want more and more but deep down we truly believe that if we can just be better or do better, somehow God's going to love us more. If we can just follow more of the commandments and somehow our life will be easier and God's will, will be done in our our life if we can just go to church more give more pray more do these things get more involved in ministry God's going to love me if I'm doing more for him somehow God will be more pleased with me somehow you'll gain more favor or blessing if that's your mindset then you're going to see any weakness in your life as a roadblock or as a hindrance to achieving all that you want But that's not how God sees that junk in our lives. That's not the way God works. What if that's not what He wants in our life? What if that's not what He wants us to do? What if that prayer request is not what God has for our life? What if He's already pleased with you? What if He's already proud of you? What if He already has adopted you? What if He's already made you the apple of His eye? You can't do anything else to make Him love you more than He does right now. You can't do anything else... To make him more proud of you. Church, he loves you. In spite of our weaknesses. In spite of that weakness or that thorn in the flesh. God says, dude, I still love you. What what if our weakness keeps us humble? Keeps us getting too self-righteous. Too self-absorbed. Too focused on ourselves. You know, maybe these, these hang-ups and these habits and these hurts that we we see as hurdles, maybe God is using those hurdles so we can use them as handles to go forward, to live in the grace of God. Man, maybe you've had a bad start to your life. Maybe your dad went out for cigarettes when you were 13 and he still ain't back. Maybe your mom took off early. Maybe you've got... Maybe you've got some genetic stuff that's playing against you. I don't know, but maybe you didn't start off life well. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not the most handsome guy in the room. Maybe you're not the most beautiful woman in the room. But that doesn't mean that you can't accomplish great things for God. God is not looking on our outside. He's looking at our, he's looking at our inside. Suppose your your handicap's a lack of beauty. Then you can make up an accomplishment what you lack in the looks department. Many folks have noticed you being physically beautiful. And here's the thing. I, what I've found is that lots of people who are physically beautiful, they take so much time staying beautiful that the inside of them is ugly as sin. And I'm not saying all people are that way or all good-looking. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think all good-looking people are that way. But you know what? You may not be the best-looking Person, but God can still use you uh, many folks have nothing but that physical beauty and they can't free themselves from it to, to be moved by God to be used by God as you look at what's against you make up your mind saying you know what I'm not the smartest I'm not the brightest I'm not the prettiest I'm not the wealthiest but you know what those are all weaknesses that God can use those are all things that God can work through honey if you'd come up you know the Word of God says But he said to me, Linda, Bryce, Suzanne, Bob, Mike, my grace is sufficient for you, Anna. My grace is sufficient for you, Missy. My grace is sufficient for you, Dean. And my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore... I, Paul, will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Y'all, the only thing I'm telling you to do with your witness is just give them to God and let God work through it. Through your, wit- uh, through your weakness, let God work through it. Now, His grace is with me. It's for me. It sustains me. It's with you. It's for you. It sustains you. You may not be the bell of the ball. and You may not be the sharpest bowl in the bowl drawer. I got into a sentence and I couldn't get out of it. God can still use you. Just because you're weak and frail and you're not the best or the brightest, you're not the most beautiful. Hey, God is in the business of using busted down broken things. You remember what Paul did? He sentenced Christians to death. Has anybody in this room done that? Paul tried to close the church. Not the little C, the big C. Has anybody tried to do that? My goodness, church. If God can give grace to that dude, He can give grace to you and me, Anna. He can give grace to us and and we respond to that grace with prayer and we respond to that grace by seeing who we really are, that we we are weak. And we respond to that grace because now we know that even though I'm weak, I can operate in strength, church. We respond correctly to God's grace in our tough times when it sets us to praying, admitting that we're weak and finding strength in God's grace. Oh, there's a beautiful old song that really ties in what I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to close with. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Sing it with me, church. Just. Precious Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee. Let it, be, dear Lord, let it be. Every everything of our weakness and all those thorns in the flesh. Just because He doesn't remove them, doesn't mean He doesn't love us. You would never ask God to go against His will to get your prayer answered. If He did, He wouldn't be much of a God. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Y'all, we respond correctly to God's grace in our tough times when it sets us to pray and admit that we're weak and strengthen God's grace. Has your thorn of the flesh made you pray? Has it made you beg God? Has your thorn in the flesh made you admit your own weakness or depend upon God's strength and not your own flesh? Has that thorn in the flesh somehow made you angry at God because He's not answered the prayer the way you wanted Him to answer it? But today you've got a fresh word of revelation and it resonates in your spirit today. That if you're asking God to answer a prayer that's contrary to His will, we're literally asking Him to sin. That's going to change some of the way you pray. That's going to change the way some of us pray. And here's the thing. It also will help us in our inner man and our inner woman. It makes us ask this question. God, all I want is your will. And if I'm asking for something other than that, I am sorry and forgive me. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, could I ask you to stand to your feet, please, as the team comes forward? In a moment, I'm going to give the invitation and I'm going to open it up to you to deal with those thorns or those, those issues in your life that bring weakness. Because maybe you've had that thorn in your flesh and you've been going to God, going to, go, uh, going to God, going to God, going to God, going to God. But you know what? Maybe today you, you know that when, when you have those weak points in your life, the proper response is to pray. Keep praying. Proper response is to see where you're weak. And the prop, proper response lastly is to realize that God is your strength and that weakness. and He's the only one who's strong enough to get you out of it. In a moment, we're going to open up the invitation for people to come forward. Hey, you know what? I'm inviting you to come forward. Just bring that thorn that's been messing with you. That weakness that you've been struggling with. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an inappropriate relationship. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's, it's, it's porn. Maybe it's lust. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the booze. Maybe it's the bottle. I don't know. It's none of my business. But if God wants to take care of business with you today, for heaven's sakes, let him do it. For heaven's sakes, let him do it. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, you would search our hearts this morning. Draw us to you, Lord. Father, let these weaknesses that we've seen as detrimental in our life, let them be springboards, Father to deliverance. Let them be springboards into a breakthrough spiritually and a breakout, Father, in, in, in our minds. Set us free. Lord, I pray for everyone who's going to come forward today and bring those old thorns to flesh, those weaknesses, and we're just going to give them to you and realize that in our weakness, we're still loved. In our weakness, we're still wanted. In our weakness, grace has still found us. Lord, I pray for all those who are about to come forward. In Jesus' name I pray.